1: Unless you grew up under a rock in the '80s, by hearing that song, you know we're going to talk some Top Gun. Some might say the ultimate summer
2: blockbuster. I, I was really hoping for Short Circuit, but this will do.
1: But before we get into Top Gun, why don't we, uh, we should really introduce ourselves? Let's see who we got and why. Let's explain why we're qualified to, to talk about '80s movies. Give us a uh, a movie you like and a movie you don't like from a character in Top Gun.
2: Yeah, I'm Jason, and I'm qualified to talk about movies because I spent money on them. And so I figure that if they're going to give me a mediocre product, I can tell them when it's mediocre. You, you paid for it when you were- I paid. I paid for that right. So as I started, I guess I'll I'll pick the main character, Tom Cruise, or main actor. And I got to tell you, he had a run of movies that I, that I extremely dislike. It's hard to pick just one. So – I am going to say Mission Impossible 2, Magnolia and Vanilla Sky.
1: All of them are all dislikes? Is that what you're saying?
2: All of them are hunks of crap. But a movie I did like uh, that he did, and I feel that it is very underrated, is Far and Away. I figure that is a, a fine film uh, that he did.
1: So we could agree, though, that Top Gun definitely was the launching pad for Tom Cruise's career, right?
2: I think in order for him to make millions, yeah,
3: I, I think for him to be the star that he became today, kind of the superstar he became, this was the launching pad for that. It, it, I think risky business launched his you know film career as a lead, but he hadn't submitted it as a box office draw till this,
0: right? Because he preceded Top Gun with Legend, <laughs> well, box office smash. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think Top Gun is what made him the, the the super movie star. That, as Jason mentioned, he had a great run after that.
1: So Magnolia, Vanilla, was that Vanilla Sky? I I, I get yes. those confused. They feel like the same movie to me. When I when I see them, I keep I can't keep them straight. Both piles of crap. I agree with you.
2: Well, one stars a frog and the other rains frogs. So <laughs> that's that's how I tell them
1: apart. So that's Jason. Greg, what, what, what do you got for us?
0: Well, I you know, I, a lot of people probably forget Tim Robbins is in Top Gun, and he plays the character of Merlin. A couple years after this, of course, he starred in Bull Durham, and I think that was his breakout role, at least in the movies. And um, that's a movie I really like, although he is awful. As a as a pitcher, uh, it's just pathetic to watch. And so
1: is your compl- so, as a pitcher or an actor?
0: <laughs> you're
1: offended by his throwing motion, or
0: I'm offended by absolutely. He fails as an actor because he fails the first test of acting, and that is to be convincing and authentic. And I don't buy for one minute that he's a phenom that can throw 95 miles an hour like the character that he's playing. However, I really like that movie. It's a it's a Terrific movie,
3: but you'll forgive Susan Sarandon for not being convincing as a hot smoking woman in Boulder. Well, she was,
0: yeah, I, I, I think that would have worked uh, circa Atlantic City. Yeah, she was.
1: She was convincing as a slut, though. So that's really. So what's your uh, what's your Tim Robbins hate? I know there's a lot to pick from out there.
0: Uh, just off the top of my head, Hud proxy. Really, that's. Yeah, I, I, just I actually
1: liked that one. It was. That's for you the know. kids. All right, I'll go next. I'm uh, Matt, and I'm qualified to talk about movies because I lived in a crappy town from about 82 to 89 where there was nothing to do but watch movies. So I think I've, every movie that came out between 82 and 89, that's why I like talking about these movies. I picked uh, Anthony Edwards, Goose, who uh, before Top Gun had the great role in Revenge of the Nerds as the as Gilbert, the uh, the head nerd. It's a great movie. I think it's, uh, it's funny, but it's also, you've got Bush. So any movie with that, when I was a kid, I was, I was, Anthony Edwards, although he did a lot of crap and a lot of TV after that, obviously known for ER, but uh, he did, he was in The Client, also with Susan Sarandon, who was not convinced as an attorney, but a crappy, crappy John Grisham movie. So, Patrick, what do you got?
3: Um, well, I'm a qualified to talk about movies because in my previous life I worked two years in a movie theater and then ten years in a video store. Um, so I watched movies constantly for about a twelve-year period, um, including uh, in the movie in the movie theater during the late '80s. So I saw a lot of stuff that came out then. My uh, the actor I picked in this film was Val Kilmer. Uh, the film I picked that I liked uh, was Tombstone, and pretty much. Uh, It's an over over the top movie, but I think he's outstanding in it. And, uh, you know, it's probably the most amusing character in the entire film. Um, The film I picked that I hated uh, was Island of Dr. Moreau, which I think is one of the most atrocious films ever, ever made. I don't understand how they got people to sign on to do that. I remember reading something from Val Kilmer saying that, you know, he realized it was a terrible film, but he signed on because he just wanted to act with. Marlon Brando, but he knew he was in trouble when he saw Marlon Brando wa- wearing uh, a muumuu in one scene, and pretty much gave up after that. So,
0: yeah, I just want to say that I, I forgot to mention why I'm qualified. I'm, I'm completely unqualified to comment on any <laughs> movies. Probably disregard any listeners out there should just disregard what comes out of my mouth. Although I think the thing we have in common is we all grew up during the 1980s, and so uh, I think that's one of the reasons uh, these. Movies that we're planning to review, including Top Gun uh, today, uh, are, are sort of in our wheelhouse, uh, movies that came out during our formative years, and I'm as qualified as anyone, any other child of the 80s, I suppose. Because movies do yeah. kind of influence
1: how you grow up and perspective on things, and, and probably – so the, the question is whether or not these movies do stand the test of time and whether or not they're actually as good as we thought they were when we were, uh, uh, when we were kids. All right, so before we get on to uh, to talking about Top Gun itself, we do actually have a sponsor of this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Slider's Towels. It's the alternative towel for the alternative lifestyle. It's great for toweling off after playing volleyball or hanging out after you've gotten all sweaty with a man behind you in close quarters. Slider's Towels, available in all branches of the military and bathhouses throughout the Southwest.
2: Thank you, Slider's you. Towels.
1: You. Top Gun. Patrick, you got... Uh, just some – you're the uh, movie guy, right? You've been doing this this forever. You just got some general facts on, on Top Gun. Top
3: Gun was released on May 16th of 1986. Some other films that came out around that time uh, in May of 1986 were uh, Cobra with Sylvester Stallone, Poltergeist 2, Jason's favorite Short Circuit, and uh, the other one I pulled up was Jojo Dancer Your Life is Calling, which I – strange as it may seem was somewhat of a summer movie. Um, obviously, Top Gun was uh, Tom Cruise's, as we've discussed, kind of launched him into the stratosphere. Prior to this, he was best known for Risky Business and All the Right Moves. Kelly McGillis uh, was coming, just coming out of Witness, uh, which was easily her best-known film role. Uh, Val Kilmer, uh, he had only made Top Secret and Real Genius prior to this film. And then uh, Anthony Edwards, as uh, Matt previously said, had been in Fast Times in a really small role revenge of the nerds uh, the sure thing and was the lead in gotcha which i think only jason and i remember ever seeing so fine film it was a great film it made me want to go to college <clears throat> and play paintball uh top gun made uh 176 about uh, almost 177 million dollars at the box office it was the highest grossing film of 1986 just barely edging out crocodile dundee Rotten Tomatoes right now rates it at a forty-nine percent with critics, but fans give it an eighty-two percent. It's one of those like Transformers or Pirates of the Caribbean that all that matters is the box office and the fans like it.
1: So it was the number one movie that year in '86. It made more money than any other movie in '86, right?
3: Yeah, uh, that and uh, uh, Crocodile Dundee were by far and away the two biggest films of the year.
1: All right, so so what about this Top Gun? What? What story is told? Take us through Top Gun.
2: Well, Top Gun's about Pete Mitchell, whose codename is Maverick. Maverick's a naval aviator. Uh, Don't call him a pilot. He doesn't like that. He's a naval aviator who wants to be the best, but he's always in second place. Maverick is a person who doesn't play by the rules, which is why he opted for a career in the U.S. Navy. Here, he gets to fly fast planes. He gets strong drink, and he gets to meet men. Uh, He can burst into song with men in uniform while hanging out in bars. He could chill out in the locker room in nothing but a towel, and he can play volleyball in his Levi's. Like I said, he doesn't play by the rules. Some say his ego is writing checks his body can't cash, and his heart is humming a tune that the Navy will not accept. His only friend is his radar intercept officer, who they never really mention during the film of What They Do, and that person is named Goose. He's a recent graduate of Adams College. Goose is the only person who knows Maverick's demons, his numerous failed relationships, and his struggles with his dead father, who is also a naval aviator. Maverick gets his break uh, the day that Cougar, the number one pilot on Maverick's aircraft carrier, has a mental breakdown, making him the choice to be sent to Top Gun. Now, Top Gun is a five-week course in aerial combat. Although you can earn enough points in two weeks to graduate. The best pilot at Top Gun is a genius named Christopher Knight, codenamed Iceman. Maverick sets his sights on him, but always falls short. He cannot outfly Iceman, and he cannot beat him in volleyball. Although Maverick is struggling at Top Gun, uh, not all is lost. He, uh, He makes a play for an older Amish lady after he follows into a restroom at a local Navy bar. However, she turns out to be one of his instructors. Her name is Charlie. And no, she's not Asian, but she's smart like an Asian. She's an expert in enemy aircraft and aerial combat. She attempts to hide her feelings for Maverick, but his flying style and his patented move of hitting the brakes and letting the enemy fly right by is just too much to resist. Two weeks into the course, everything looked like it's going to work out for Maverick. He's in second place at Top Gun. He has fallen in love with Charlie, and his best friend is by his side. But all that changes one day during one of the exercises, or hops, Maverick gets caught in Iceman's jet wash. This throws his plane into a flat spin. Goose is the only one during the flat spin that can save Maverick. Goose has to pull two cords. The first cord blows the canopy off the pin, and the next cord ejects them. Goose does pull the cords, but however he pulls them too quickly, this results in Goose being slammed into the canopy, killing him. Maverick escapes unharmed, but blames himself. Maverick then is quickly cleared by a Navy panel of any wrongdoing, but struggles to race a stock car. And he refuses to engage the enemy. Instead, Maverick tries to speak to his dead buddy Goose. He decides to quit Top Gun and go AWOL. He goes to Charlie's house, but like all Charlie's, she is sneaky and she has moved away. (laughs) Maverick then goes to talk to another instructor named Viper. Viper shares with Maverick top secret material. It turns out that Viper flew with Maverick's father when Maverick's father was killed in action. Viper also informs Maverick that despite missing over half the Top Gun course, he can still graduate and watch Iceman receive the Top Gun trophy. Maverick then attends this graduation. The reception, however, is interrupted. When it is learned that a naval ship halfway around the world has broken down in the Indian Ocean and enemy planes armed with anti ship missiles are on their way to sink it. Luckily, the enemy has somehow informed the U.S. of their intentions, letting the Navy send Top Gun graduates from California to the Indian Ocean in order or in time to intercept them. Uh, The Navy has decided to send the best, the worst, and the most personally troubled pilots. Iceman, Hollywood, and Maverick. Now, Iceman and Hollywood are the first to make enemy contact when they get into the Indian Ocean. They think they're going up against two bogeys, but it's actually six. Hollywood, who is repeatedly shot down during all of the top gun uh, training missions, remains true to his image and is shot down, leaving Iceman to face six bogeys all alone. Maverick takes to the air to assist Iceman. Maverick makes it to Iceman's location... But he decides to turn around and head home, talking to his dead friend, Goose. It appears that Maverick is not willing at this point to engage the enemy, despite Iceman, Merlin, and Mr. Strickland yelling at him to help. Maverick then has a goodwill hunting moment and now understands that nothing was his fault and people need him, so he reengages. He does his patented move by hitting the brakes and letting the other guy fly right by, And this spooks the enemy out, so they head on home. Maverick returns a hero, and Iceman finally accepts him. Maverick then tells Iceman that he, Maverick, is really the best despite not winning the Top Gun trophy. Maverick, who now is the best pilot in the world, does not want any reminder of Goose, so he throws Goose's dog tags into the sea. Maverick returns to Miramar to become a Top Gun instructor, although he can only teach the first two weeks of the course. One day while drinking beer, Maverick hears his and Charlie's song playing on a jukebox. He looks for her, but he cannot find her because she is hiding in the tunnel. He is about to leave the bar, and she reappears, and they fly off into the sunset, proving once again that Maverick plays by his own rules. That, my friends, is top
1: Well done. Well done. We took time and watched this uh, less than seven days ago.
2: Well,
3: Well, when was the last time you seen it prior to –
1: this week. I, I hate to admit this, but I watch it every summer because we uh, vacation in Oceanside, California, and we, okay, we vacation right on the street where Charlie's house is. We always watch Top Gun because uh, we, we feel a connection to Top Gun because we, we vacation literally a stone's throw away from Charlie's house. So,
2: so it gets you in the mood?
1: <laughs> it doesn't not get me in the mood, so that's, that's something.
0: Well, I, I mean, when when did you last see it, Greg? It's been twenty years. It's been twenty years. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I did remember quite a bit. Just it seemed a lot more gay now than it did <laughs> when I was a kid, and I don't know what that says about me when I was a kid. But I didn't notice that stuff back then. I noticed it now, and, and not just in parts, right? But throughout the movie, there's
1: just gayness thrown in.
0: That's there, a true line.
1: It?
3: It, it, there's a homosexual uh, overtone through all of it. I mean, to so much. I I didn't like the movie back in, when I, in the '80s when I saw it, but you know, and I and I, I made probably jokes, you know, back then as it was. The film was, you know, kind of gay, particularly the volleyball scene and the shower scenes. Or, you know, the one walking around in towels always stood out in my mind. But watching it again with fresh eyes, is like, oh, my God, because I probably hadn't seen it since maybe the early 90s.
1: Shower scenes, plural. I mean, there are there are more shower scenes and, and locker room scenes in this film than there are airplane uh, sequences. I mean, Harvey Milk dreamed that one day Hollywood would make such a film.
0: Yeah, and there's the scene with Tom Cruise in the bathroom in his tidy whiteys, which are hiked up practically to his chest. And Tom Skerritt enters and and comes approaches from the rear. And there's a shot through the mirror, and and you can just go to that scene. I mean, that is that may be the gayest scene in any mainstream Hollywood film.
3: The only thing that's missing is him spitting into his hand, and then you've got brought back
1: down. <laughs> And, and the dialogue. They, they, don't even, they, they don't even hide it. I mean, right, right at the very beginning, right when they enter top, top Gun, they're sitting there at the first meeting. Ice leans over to Slider and says, I'm, this stuff gives me a hard-on. And Slider says, oh, don't tease me. There's, there's, no, there's no just overtones. They're just explicit in it sometimes.
2: This is the first I'm hearing about any of this. I'm, I'm just shocked. <laughs> Did we watch the same film? Uh, those guys look cool i mean they look like they're going to go out and pick up a lot of chicks isn't that why they're hanging out in in locker rooms with each other all day and along those same lines
0: (laughs) there's there's this scene uh during one of the the contests when uh, towards uh, the latter half of the movie when uh iceman is just two points ahead of maverick in the top gun naval competition and it's one of the the last contests that they have i think in fact this is the last contest before maverick decides to bolt and during that you know simulated firefight where uh commander tom scarrett uh viper as his call sign is up there in the air uh with maverick and and the other uh, competitors and the lines are well i'll just i'll just repeat some of these lines and I won't make any comments about them. Come on. Come on. Keep coming. Come on, baby. Come around. That's it. Jesus, he's good. Come on. Come on. Keep coming. Come on, baby. Damn, this kid's good. Come on. Come on. Stick with it. Bingo, Maverick's dead. You're out of there, kid.
3: <laughs> there was, was
0: nothing gay about, about that at
3: all. Yeah. This is a podcast about movies, right?
1: <laughs> and, and that is not atypical of this
3: movie. No, I it, mean, it it, it's it's surprising that, that it didn't get called out for what it was during its day, but – I mean there's as I said there's a strong homosexual overtone to everything they do in this
1: film. I love the dry, when he does the flyby and the guy that keeps spilling coffee on him, man. All I know is he wants some butts and he wants them now. <laughs> that's true. The, the other thing that's that I just questions I had is is who who assigns call signs? I mean do, do they just get to pick their own? Hey, I'm Maverick because I don't play by my own rules. No, you're going to be company guy. That's what we're going to call you. Maybe you're more apt
2: to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got a kick out of a lot of the the code names. I, I the, the guy who got hosed is the guy who who's known as Cougar. I mean, in '86, you're like, yeah, man, Cougar's a, a kick-ass. Although name. again,
1: it could be very gay because he says, "I'm Cougar."
2: Arr. Well, assuming assuming he doesn't do that, right? right? I mean, you get hosed with that name 20 years right. later when you're like, "This is my friend Cougar," and you're like. What is she, like a 50-year-old white woman who's out to get laid? And what's up with Goose? Yeah, terrible. Get geese.
1: <laughs> geese are easily shot down. That's all I know. Maybe uh, just comic relief.
3: Hey, give him a funny name because that's all he's there for.
2: Maybe. I'm going with a more sinister explanation. I mean, if Top Gun's really a gay film, why wouldn't Goose be a name?
1: <laughs> right. Well, it's, it's also racist, too, because the one black guy in the film – his call sign is sundown, because black guy w- would have been too obvious, apparently.
2: Well, I think Mammy was already taken.
1: So another, another thing in this film that's the, the entire premise, right, is we have to train these guys uh, with, these, with these F-14s uh, because of what they're going up against, right? Because of the MIGs.
3: The faster and more agile planes?
1: Yeah. That's, the, that's the very reason that, that Top Gun exists, is because the MiGs that, that the enemy has are faster and more agile. Isn't there a better solution than having a school?
2: Well, I thought we could all give them tape decks, and they could play music and fly faster when fighting the MiGs.
0: Developing better planes would be the commie thing to do. That <laughs> that would be the <laughs> Russian way, not the American way. You roll up your sleeves and you deal with what you have. Yeah, I I, know. I agree.
2: Build a better plane. Apparently we did, which which is why we no longer fly the F-14s. So uh, another thing that stuck out when I was watching the film and and you listened to it is that the meat of the story with Maverick being at Top Gun takes place in about two weeks of this five week course. Uh, A lot happens within that. Within that two weeks, and I, I don't know why the the movie writers decided to make it like that. Uh, for instance, I mean, you have Maverick coming into town. He meets Charlie Kelly McGillis, and he, he falls in love in love with her. They sleep together. Goose is killed. And he's also cleared of that accident in the military hearing in, in that time. But yet he still can graduate. He
1: earns enough points to graduate in two weeks. Of a five-week
2: course. Uh, Another scene that just irritated me is when Maverick does throw Goose's dog tags into the sea. I mean, here, he has a wife and a son. Obviously, they would have some interest in this, but Maverick, being the dick that he is, decides since he solved all his problems and now he's a hero, he could just go ahead and and get rid of stuff he doesn't really need anymore.
0: Right,
1: because nobody else would want those dog tags, right?
0: (laughs) Right. And Tom Cruise throws like a girl. Oh, yeah. Terrible.
2: I, he should have just underhanded <laughs> him in there.
3: So, Greg, uh, make sure I understand your argument. He could not play the Tim Robbins role in Bull Durham either.
2: That's correct. We already kind of talked about the volleyball scene, but I, I really do think we should go back to it because it is such <laughs> a, a popular scene. It is really, on the one hand, they make it sort of like an impromptu volleyball game. I mean, after all, Mavericks playing in jeans. But some of the other characters look like they're ready to play volleyball. Yeah. And then they have all their wrists taped, which I have no idea why they need to to tape their wrists like that. And uh, finally, there's a bunch of people around watching this, this game. We have no idea who they are or why, as a matter of fact, Maverick and Goose end up trying to play volleyball against Iceman and Slider. I mean, they're they're arch nemesis. It's not like these people are just rivals in the air. They don't like each other during the film. I know why they're watching. Just ask Viper. <laughs> right. Come on, baby. Damn, he's good. There was actually a list of actors that were considered for Maverick and actually turned down Maverick, and they're they're quite surprising when, when I think we all read the list. We all kind of took it the same way, um, but I think our fan would like to know so – I'm going to read some of these names that turned down the role of Maverick, and I think this could have really changed the film dramatically. Uh, First is Patrick Swayze, Emilio Estevez, Nicolas Cage, John Cusack, Matthew Bradwick, Sean Penn, Michael J. Fox, and Tom Hanks all turned down the role. Uh, People who were considered for the role were uh, Charlie Sheen, Jim Carrey, Rob Lowe. Eric Stoltz, John Travolta, Scott Baio, and Robert Downey Jr. So, the, I mean, they really went after just almost anyone who wanted to be in a in a movie at the time. Eric,
0: Scott well, Baio uh, could have been Tom Cruise, uh, is what you're saying?
2: Yeah, Scott Baio could have been Tom Cruise. He could have done it all with his mind, like in Zapped. It would have been a much better film. Some of these actors, I mean, Michael J. Fox and Matthew Broadwick. I mean, do you really think? Wow, uh, Top Gun. You're like Navy pilot, cocky, arrogant.
1: So, anything else on Top Gun? Things that stand out from the the film? Thing? Well, I don't think you can not
3: talk about Top Gun and not talk about the soundtrack. I mean, that was probably that was probably another highlight for the film. It was one of the quintessential soundtracks of the nineteen eighties. Totally gay as well. Uh, arguably, yes. Now, but I I had it, and I'm sure you have it, and or had it back then, but, I mean, there was a lot of hit songs off it, and
1: it was, it was uh, one of the biggest-selling albums of the year. Yep. All right, so, so here's the question. I mean, this thing was huge in 86. I mean, everyone loved this, this, uh, this movie. So seeing it today with, with fresh eyes, does it stand the test of Is this one that should be redone?
0: I don't think it stands the test of time. But, however, I, I do think Broadway could make this a musical. And they might be able to be more honest about the real thing that we're discussing. Well,
3: did Greg? Did you like it back then when you saw it? I enjoyed it. Yeah,
0: of course I did. Yeah. Did you said, yeah. "Of course you did." What? No, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't alone. Sure, it was the. No,
3: novel. no, I was just. Of course you did, because I, you know, I didn't like it. I didn't like it in the 1980s. I, I don't like it now. I do think it it's as good a movie now as it was back then I don't think it, it it's overly dated in fact I was kind of surprised with that that you know going back and watching a film you know I always presume oh it's gonna be dated the bad guys the Russians you know at the beginning and the end the bad guy is kind of an unknown quantity it's you don't know who it is you know the, I was interested to read that the the intention was that it was going to be the Koreans but they kind of just leave it at this Anonymous you know nation
1: that they were, we're kind of battling well, it, it's not dated and and so from that perspective, I guess it does kind of it, 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 it does stand up today, but it's a terrible movie. I mean I think it, it, uh, it is only good if you're a kid and oh this is these guys are so cool and then but but today it, it, it's a terrible movie
2: it's a, you know I'm going to disagree uh, Matt I, I think it's a, I think it's a fine film. I, I think it's introduction to so many flat screen TVs that are big, with the surround sound. I think it's just one of those movies that you'd like to own to show off your system, to show off the picture quality, and it's just one of those that would be playing in in like a TV store when you walk in to try to get you to make that purchase.
1: Jason, I'm taking the pragmatic approach. I like it. It is,
2: yeah.
3: Well, I, I, without a doubt, it's got great sound. It's got great visual. I mean, it's it's made well. Without a doubt, the, the money is spent on the screen. It is, <clears throat> but you know, I thought it was a terrible story back then. I didn't, I didn't like it. Um, I don't like it anymore now. I, but I, I think it is kind of my point. I said think it's the, for the people who liked it back in the eighties. I, I, with the exception, of apparently, Greg. I think <laughs> I think they would still like it now.
1: I did like it as a kid, and uh, I I just find it boring and. I, I would have liked to see a better reason to have the battle at the end.
2: Yeah, I mean it's a movie to show off some fighter jets. Yeah. And apparently, well, Matt, slow ones. Yeah, Matt, do you think, yeah. you think
0: your ones?
3: Matt, do you think your opinion is colored by the fact that you watch this on an annual basis? <laughs> it,
1: it, I'm sure it was. Now, now to me, we don't. I don't watch the whole thing, so we just watch parts, mainly right at the volleyball scene and. and but.
2: Uh, Right. Do you, do you watch this wearing a Speedo when you're getting ready to go to San Diego? Wrapped
1: in a towel, yeah. <laughs> no, we just generally watch portions that where we can see uh, the scenery of where we are in Oceanside.
2: As far as Ever. it being remade, I hope they don't remake it. So. Well, I, I heard Nathan Lane's very interested in doing the sequel. <laughs> yes,
3: he's definitely in Can I play Maverick now as an older man? I will not play
1: by the rules. I won't wear a condom.
2: Well, it looks like Matt killed that podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so let's go around and just wrap this up and and summarize this uh like it didn't like it real quick. Uh so say if you if you liked it as a as a kid and if you uh if you liked it this week, I guess. Greg, what do you what do you think about the uh what what's your uh, ultimate opinion on Top Gun?
0: I liked it as a kid and I do not like it now.
1: Jason, how about you?
2: I like it as a kid, and I I still like it now.
1: And I uh, I liked it as a kid, and I don't like it. Don't like it now. I just think it sucks. Patrick, <laughs>
3: uh, I didn't like it back in 1986, and I still don't like it now. I think it just. I think it's simplistic storytelling, and just this uh, bad acting. And uh, you know, other than the plane sequences, I don't think it holds up.
1: So that's Top Gun, the ultimate blockbuster of 1986 uh, that started to set the, the, the tone or the, the standard for the summer blockbuster.
3: Bullshit, but that's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a little uh, movie about a shark that Steven Spielberg did a little before this that <laughs> might have bragging rights, but...
2: Oh, Orca. I like that one, dude. <laughs>
3: Well, Spielberg did that one, too? My God. <laughs>
2: Alright, well check
1: us out on lunchtimemoviereview.com or ltmrpodcast.com Look at the polls we have up there Uh, Vote on movies you'd like to see reviewed, send us comments about Top Gun or any other movies and if you'd like to submit a blog if you submit that in, we will get that up on the website and have your opinion or your view on movies heard Well, keep listening and uh, we're getting out of here right now and you guys are invited
3: This podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only the theme music for lunchtime movie review fireworks is provided courtesy of alexander nakaranda at serpentsoundstudios.com under a creative commons attribution 4.0 license all original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the mhn podcast network lunchtime movie review and fuzzy bunny slippers entertainment llc unless otherwise noted